0: Welcome to this edition of NC Talks. In this podcast, Alice Weatherston speaks to Lance McCracken, Professor of Behavioural Medicine at King's College London in the UK, about the use of psychological therapies in pain management. So thank you very much for joining us today. Um, Firstly, just to start off, what are your current research focuses? Well,
1: uh, our general focus in in the research from my group is on what I would call um, psychosocial mechanisms of uh, suffering and disability in people with uh, pain conditions um, so this means things like emotional and cognitive but also uh, social circumstances that feed into um, feed into disability uh, hampering people's functioning from pain, really whatever kind of chronic pain, and then we, we take our knowledge of these mechanisms and we we feed it into treatment designs, we, we test the treatments, and then we try to test whether the treatments are working according to the processes that we intend. So that's sort of the basic format of what we do. And then we, we, um, we try to uh, produce better treatments over time, and we also reach out in our treatment design work into uh, particular populations that seem possibly a little bit harder to treat, and these would be conditions like um, like HIV-related uh, neuropathic pain, for example. Um, uh, people with fibromyalgia, who also have multiple other big, separate problems such as depression, insomnia, and fatigue in a substantial way on top of the pain they have. That's another another area. And um, a recent Ph.D. student of mine also uh, tackled a slightly different problem, which is, so in the U.K., we have treatment availability. We have trained clinical psychologists in my area and anesthetists and neurologists and and nurses and physios, but in other countries, they don't always have the same numbers of trained professionals available, and they don't have the same uh, history of treatment development and delivery. So I had a student from Singapore, and we, we tested how to design a treatment delivery package particularly fit to a sort of uh, Singaporean culture and thing we've done.
0: Okay, great. Is that something which you've just focused on Singapore with then, or are you thinking about branching that out into kind of other, other countries, other cultures?
1: Well, I mean, if, if, a, if another PhD student came along and presented uh, the opportunity for us to think about it, we would do it. I think because I think it's really, I mean, I think one of our general um, motivations is um, is how to increase access. Yeah. So there's people who can't. Treatments that'll help them, and so in, in part, you know, there are sort of psychological or behavioral solutions to that problem. So we're we're generally very keen on that. Um, there's many there's many ways that the access problem, you know, emerges in, in in sort of the wide world. One of it is you know different cultural and uh, uh, geopolitical uh, and geographical circumstances. But then, then, of course, there's all kinds of other barriers too. But I mean, to answer your question, yes. I mean, if we if we had if we found another situation where we thought we could break in and uh, and increase access, we we would do it.
0: Great. So, what role do psychological therapies or behavioural therapies play in dealing with chronic pain?
1: Well, I'm sure as I'm a psychologist, you know I'll say they play an extremely important role (laughs) because that's what I would say. Um, But, um, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say, at least I would say, that if you want a complete approach to chronic pain, part of what you do needs to address the person and their personal circumstances and their behavior patterns and such like. I mean, a way to think about this is that um, uh, that the, the trouble with chronic pain is that it um, it has so many impacts on people's daily life, on what they're able to do, uh, what, so what they do and what they don't do. Um, I, I, would, I would say that, you know, it's uh, a person's back doesn't go to work. A person goes to work. So how do you get a person to go to work? Uh, part of that is performance. Part of it is how can you sort of t- teach or train people to, to face challenging circumstances, uncertainty, discomfort, threat, feelings of la- a lack of motivation, confusion, and, uh, and perform what they most want to do and so uh, you know a lot of uh, pain management comes down to you know behavior patterns as the, the f- final common pathway of um, well-being mm-hmm. and doing well so, um, so I just think you, you, you need to I mean I think making sure that your teams or your services your clinics have this, have this focus in part um, is I mean I I believe sort of indispensable, and I, I think probably a lot of people agree with me. And and, and the evidence is pretty good. If you if you do um, psychological treatments as we do them these days, uh, people get real benefits. So I think uh, so. The, I think the case there is is easy to make.
0: So this is something which can be um, combined with kind of what we see as. More- pain medicines, I guess, such as opioids, um, so it would be good to kind of to bring in these different fields in terms to give that sort of um, overall treatment for a patient?
1: I, I definitely think so. Uh, and I, I think we've, we've gone through phases in the past, and in, in sort of the, even the recent history of pain management, I think we've had times when we felt that you couldn't blend these very well because the, they would, the approaches would contradict each other, or it would confuse the patient, or something like that. But I don't. I don't think. I, mean, I don't personally feel that that's true these days. I think there are ways to, to blend these. In fact, I think the best solution is um, to give a person the ability to use one set of strategies in one situation where that works and then maybe switch to a different set of strategies in a different situation where that works better. I mean, in a way, this is the, sort of the best total solution. To be too narrowly focused on only one strategy to me is going to mean that there will be some places or some occasions where your strategies will let you down. So to be better equipped with a more flexible set of things you can do, I just think is, uh, you know, a, a bound to be a more effective strategy. We have. Um, we have done uh, studies of this. We, we do know, for example, that you can combine um, intensive interdisciplinary psychology-focused um, treatment with um, spinal cord stimulators, with neuromodulation treatment. So these two things, they seem like they contradict Like you. Uh, one is about learning to change your behavior, learn better strategies, uh, learn how to, in a sense, face your pain and And succeed, uh, perform well, and the other one that seems to be all about sort of reducing your pain. And those things, they do. uh, Even I admit they seem to contradict each other. But I think if you deliver them properly, um, the the patient can get sort of the full set of benefits from both. But that's I think it's in the delivery and in our training of the of the patient to utilize the different strategies. Uh, our data say that uh, people who are waiting for an operation, with the promise of pain reduction—let's just call it that way—are very uh, willing and able to, to successfully learn um, psychological treatment strategies and make behavioral changes. Um, in a way, again, we used to think that's not possible because there'd be no motivation to do that. They'll just wait for these, well, for a relatively easier way to succeed. But um, but we know that they can make um, improvements in treatment that are about as good as as, as people who are just getting the psychology alone.
0: Okay. So is that being done more and more in practice now then?
1: We, we, we hope it will, or we would like to think it will, but I, I would say probably so far around the world does it's. Probably not widely implemented, um, and there's probably a range of reasons for that. But I, I think it's—it's. It's, um, I think people are interested and motivated, and eventually, I think we'll see much more integration than we have now. We have integration now, um, but I think there's probably still places where we can integrate more
0: ever kind of get or experience kind of reticence in the pain community towards these kinds of treatments at
1: all? Let's see. Um, I, I wouldn't say reticence, um, but I would say um, that, every, that you know people naturally, different professionals naturally look at the problem of, of chronic pain predominantly from their point of view, as I do too. Um, so, um, and I, I, I think it's, it's only human nature, um, that we, um, I won't say, I I wouldn't say that we have biases, but I can't think of a better word. Um, but I think we, I think we all have our, our interests and we all see the problem in front of us from our own point of view. So, um, I think what it means is we we don't always appreciate everybody, every, everyone else's uh, point of view as well as we, as we pr- appreciate our own. Okay. So it may mean that we um, that we we favor or give advantages um, to our own approach, and and maybe other approaches we don't, we maybe won't appreciate them um, as much. Um, I, I wouldn't say reticence, maybe, maybe 20, 30 years ago, but I, I I think these days it's one thing that I think psychology has achieved is I think it's very well accepted. I think patients accept it and other uh, providers, other professionals accept it and see the the, the, the important role of it, and I think that's a success story.
0: Yeah, great. So in application, um, Can these forms of treatment be applied to all pain conditions, or have you found that some um, are more suited?
1: Um, I there's, there's two ways to answer this question. is is what I believe and what we have found in evidence. Um, so I think um, anyone would agree that the, the weight of evidence about psychological treatments or interdisciplinary treatments, with us working within a psychological or psychosocial framework, I, I'll, I'll name both of these different approaches. I, I think that most people would agree that there's certain conditions that have been more studied um, with these approaches, and I would name here um, back pain. Um, probably fibromyalgia, general musculoskeletal pain or mixed um, musculoskeletal pain samples. Uh, people with osteoarthritis, probably not too bad. But, so I think we know a lot about these populations and that these uh, treatments work. What we know less about is um, things like um, neuropathic pain, for example, such as uh, painful diabetic neuropathy, uh, post-herpetic neuralgia or post-surgical neuropathic pain or other things. Um, and and I'd probably add we, we know probably a little bit less about sort of disease-related pain, um, that is um, pain that arises in a condition where there's a known sort of d- disease-related uh, pathology, such as rheumatoid arthritis uh, or something like that. So... Um, so the, the, the evidence um, is, is strong in musculoskeletal, and I think we know it works really well. It's just, there's just less evidence in some of these other areas. Where there is evidence, I think it's favorable. I don't think we're failing anywhere. It's just that we don't have as much evidence. Um, I assume um, that as we study this, as we're beginning to do now, if we study psychological treatments in neuropathic pain conditions, I think we'll find that maybe with some adjustments they they – they benefit these people too, but I I I say I say that as a presumption more than um, than a statement I can make on a really firm evidence base. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's more of a wait and see. Yeah, I think
1: we have to test it out. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll need to modify some of our treatment methods. We may do. Um, you yeah, know, just just on the face of it, the experience of neuropathic pain sort of looks and feels different. You know, to sit with someone with neuropathic pain, it seems to in some ways be, uh, well, you know, there's great overlaps, but um, you can say that in some ways it seems like a somewhat different experience. But I, I you know, for, uh, for me, the principles of behavior and psychology are very general and I, I do think they'll apply I don't, I don't I can't see why they wouldn't but it's just a matter of indeed um, doing more studies